Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host and author, J.C. Bodden. In this week's podcast, I'll be reading to you the last chapter from my novel, Not on My Watch, which is the third book in the Devlin O'Quinn mystery series. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next chapter, or in this case, the next book, Not on My Watch, as well as all of my books, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. If you're interested in ordering any of them, please visit my website, jcbodden.com. You'll find the link in the podcast info. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 317, Not On My Watch, chapter 17. The first time Devlin O'Quinn got married, it really wasn't much of a wedding. Home on leave from the Marines, he and his blushing bride went to City Hall and were married by a Justice of the Peace, with only her twin sister Tilly in attendance. His second marriage was Elliot Kingfisher's first, and he was perfectly content to let her have whatever she wanted. Not surprisingly, she wanted the fairy tale version. He had only two stipulations. On these, he would not budge. First was the time frame. He wanted the wedding to be as soon as possible. Elliot finally got him to give her six weeks to plan it. He thought that was a ridiculous amount of time. Elliot thought it was barely enough. That's what made it a good compromise. The second thing Devlin insisted on was the groomsman. He wanted only three. His best friend Mickey, his son-in-law Joe, and Roger, his former partner on the police force. That was fine with Elliot, who asked her sister Lynn, Devlin's daughter Jenny, and her own daughter, Anna Grace, to be her attendants. She also wanted Jenny's twin sons, Connor and Quinn, tagged as ring bearers. Needless to say, this pleased Devlin to no end. The ceremony was to be held in the sanctuary of Elliot's home church, St. Stephen's Presbyterian, in Montgomery. The guest list was extensive, what with the Kingfisher family's standing in the legal profession and Devlin's professional and political contacts. Many who accepted the invitation planned to come and wish them well, although some were simply curious to see for themselves East Alabama's newest power couple. At four on the evening before the service, the wedding party was to meet at the church for rehearsal. By 4.30, the bride-to-be and her sister Lynn still had not arrived. Devlin paced the aisle impatiently, periodically checking his watch and his cell phone. The look of relief on his face when the door at the back of the sanctuary opened was wiped away with one look at Elliot's face. She could hardly meet his eye. He hurried to her side. What's wrong? Are you okay? Lynn stepped in just behind her. Here, Devlin, Lynn said gently. She's okay. She just needs to talk to Mama for a minute. Give us a second, okay? It took a moment for Lynn's words to sink in, but Devlin stepped back as Elliot and Lynn passed him. He ran his fingers through his hair as he watched the two of them talk in hushed whispers with Rebecca. Jenny stepped to his side and tugged his hand. What's going on, Dad? she asked. I don't know, he answered with a shrug. Jenny could hardly stand the look of worry on his face. She tried to cheer him up. I'm sure it's nothing. You know how brides are. Probably something about the flowers or the cake or whatever. Remember how wigged out I was? Devon glanced at his daughter and then back to where the Kingfisher women sat, their heads together in deep conversation. He ran his fingers through his hair again. Yeah, he sighed. You're probably right, he muttered, although they both knew he was not convinced. After a moment more, Lynn looked back across the church to where Devlin was standing and motioned for him to come over. Oh, God, he breathed. What have I done now? Elliot was sitting on the first pew, her mother at her side, holding her hand. Lynn stood beside the pair. Devlin swallowed as he knelt in front of Elliot. 
The rest of the wedding party gathered in a tight knot just out of earshot. Jenny slipped her hand into Joe's. Even the twins, who had been racing up and down the pews, stood watching, Quinn's thumb in his mouth. It was as if everyone was holding their breath. Devlin, love, Elliot sighed. I need to tell you something. What? What's wrong? he stammered. Nothing, darling, she said with a slight smile. It's just that I need to tell you something. Lynn and I went to the doctor this afternoon. He looked from Elliot to Lynn and then back. The color drained from his face. Oh, God, the doctor? You're sick? Oh, God. He put his hands over his eyes, suddenly feeling as if he was going to throw up. No, no, Devlin, no. Elliot pulled his hands away. Look at me. I'm not sick. It's not that. It's just that. She hesitated, and he groaned with worry. Her voice dropped even lower. Did you really mean what you said about not wanting to be a father again? He blinked several times, looking at her intently. Then he stood up and ran his fingers through his hair as he looked at Lynn, who was smiling and nodding at him. He turned to Elliot again and saw her slight nod. The rest of the wedding party tried to understand what was happening by the transformation of his face. He glanced at her mother and then leaned over and whispered to Elliot, I thought you told me you had the birth control covered. She smiled softly and twisted her fingers in her lap. It's okay, Devlin, she whispered back. Mama knows about sex. He looked at Rebecca again and she smiled at his blush. Elliot took his hand and pulled him back down on the seat beside her before she continued gently. I had complications after Anna Grace was born. The doctors told me I would never have another baby. But I've been feeling really bad lately, tired all the time and throwing up. I thought it was just the stress of the wedding and everything. So today, Lynn went with me to the doctor. I wanted some medicine, you know, so I would be good for tomorrow and the honeymoon. Turns out, apparently, that the doctors were wrong. I'm going to have another baby. I'm six weeks pregnant. I'm sorry, Devlin. I didn't mean to make a mess of things. I know you didn't want any more children, Elliot said quietly, tears welling in her eyes, threatening to spill down her cheeks. She put her head in her hands. God, I can't believe this is happening. She flicked her eyes across the room to where Anna Grace was standing. Devlin took both her hands in his. Elliot, a baby? Really? Our baby? Why didn't you tell me you were feeling sick? Are you okay? Is the baby okay? What did the doctor say? Everything's fine. It's just normal old morning sickness. I'm fine. The baby's fine. She looked into his eyes. From the day she met him, she had been able to read his thoughts in those eyes. She searched for regret or reluctance. Instead, she saw only pride. He pushed her hair off her face. Elliot, next to you telling me you would marry me, this is the best thing ever. He grinned at the lingering doubt on her face. Seriously, I always wanted a big family. What can I say? I'm Irish. We love big families. The bigger and messier, the better. It's just that, well, I thought my time had passed. He drew her into a tight embrace, kissing her deeply, completely forgetting where they were and who was watching. With that kiss, she fell in love with him all over again. She knew her mother was right. Everything was how it was supposed to be, and it was all right to let herself be happy about it. When their lips parted, he stood and pulled her to stand beside him as he turned to face the rest of the wedding party, still on the other side of the aisle, wondering what in the world was going on. He put one arm around her waist, tucking her close to his side as he placed his other hand gently on her belly. She smiled shyly, suddenly aware that all of their friends and family had witnessed a very intimate moment. Devlin, on the other hand, felt like a strutting peacock. Hey, y'all, he proudly announced to the entire clan, I'm going to be a daddy. Suddenly everyone was talking and smiling and laughing all at once. 
Connor and Quinn trotted over and jumped up and down in front of their grandfather. He knelt down and scooped them both up, one on each arm. He turned to Elliot and peered between the two giggling boys. Just think, Ellie, he joked with a wink. Maybe we'll have twins. The ceremony went off the next afternoon without a hitch. The flowers were exquisite, the bridesmaids beautiful, the groomsmen dashing. Everyone agreed that Elliot and Devlin made one of the most stunning couples anyone had ever seen. The most memorable part of the entire service was Connor and Quinn, in their tiny tuxes, being helped down the aisle by their Aunt Tilly. At the end of the service, when the minister told Devlin he could kiss the bride, Quinn, standing on Tilly's lap so he could see, asked loudly, Dee Dee love Ellie? The entire congregation burst into laughter and applause. The reception was held at the downtown Sheraton in Montgomery. There was live music in an open bar. As soon as he was out of the receiving line, Devlin stepped to the bar and ordered a beer. He realized he was standing beside Blake Black. Hey there, kid, he said as he slapped the young man on the back. You here as a guest or as a reporter? Blake smiled and blushed slightly. I'm here as a guest, chief. Your sister-in-law invited me. Devlin scratched his head, looking puzzled. He didn't think Tilly even knew Blake. My sister-in-law invited you? Yeah, chief. Lynn. Devlin suddenly nodded. Oh, yeah, he said with a slow grin. Lynn's my sister-in-law now. Yeah, Chief, Black said with a chuckle. Listen, kid, Devlin leaned in and spoke in a conspiratorial tone. I wanted to say thank you. Thank you, sir? Thank you for what? Blake blinked at the other man. Well, you see that beautiful woman over there? Elliot nodded across the room toward Elliot. The one that made me the happiest man alive today? Yeah, Blake replied, still confused. Well, if it hadn't been for you poking around that day in my office, asking about the dog shooting and all that other shit, I'd have never met her. Devlin slapped the reporter on the back again. He turned and leaned against the bar. Someday, if you're lucky, I'll tell you the whole story. You know, she's a beautiful woman, and I sure as hell noticed that the first time I ever laid eyes on her. But that first conversation, our first interaction, bam. He glanced at Elliot again inside. But anyway... I've been meaning to tell you. Thanks. Well, you're welcome, sir. Blake wondered if this was really Devlin's first beer of the afternoon. And listen, all that following me and that Chief of Revenge article, I'm ready to let that go. You're a good writer, Blake. You should be proud of your work. Well, that's kind of you, Chief. Thanks. I've gotten some positive feedback, especially about the articles about the mayor and you. I've even gotten a couple of job offers. The Montgomery Advertiser and the Atlantic Constitution are both expressing interest. Plus, there's a book deal in the works. They want me to tell the whole story of the Hitchhiker Hits and the aftermath. Devlin nodded his head, impressed. A book, huh? Well, good for you. Blake looked carefully at Devlin. I'm going to need a lot of help with that, Chief. How do you feel about a collaboration? Devlin ran his fingers through his hair. Collaborate on a book about the Hitchhiker Hits? He gave a low whistle. I don't know. Well, think about it, Chief, okay? I'll give you a call when you get back in town after your honeymoon. We'll talk. Yeah, but how much longer are you going to be around? I mean, the Atlantic Constitution. Won't you be jumping on that pretty soon? Blake pursed his lips and gave a slow shake of the head. I don't know, Chief. Montgomery is actually looking more interesting to me right now. I'm not sure I want to move to Atlanta. It's too far away. Devlin paused a moment, a frown crossing his face. Just then, Lynn walked up and slid her hand under Blake's arm. Blake smiled at her and then looked over at Devlin. Let's just say that I'm beginning to realize that Montgomery has certain 
uh, attractions that Atlanta doesn't offer. Devlin smiled and nodded, catching his drift. Well, you're right about that, kid. He leaned closer and whispered loudly, Just watch out. Those kingfisher women are dangerous. Blake and Lynn both laughed. Blake held up his beard to toast Devlin's words. Yes, Chief, you are certainly right about that. Well, Dev, you cradle-robbing son of a bitch, you finally did it, Roger said as he slapped him on the back. Devlin smiled at his old friend and returned the slap. Yeah, I did, he answered, swaying slightly. Roger looked at him carefully. Eight, eight, oh, eight. You shouldn't have too much trouble remembering your anniversary. Devlin angled his head. My what? Roger laughed. Why, Dev, old buddy, I believe you're drunk. Hell no, I'm not drunk, he answered with a grin. Or as my granddaddy used to say, not but a wee bit drunk. Roger shook his head. Y'all got a driver? Why, you volunteering? You've had more than your limit, too, you know. Devlin poked Roger in the chest. Yeah, Dev, I know. Mindy and I are staying here tonight. You know, a little second honeymoon for us. He winked at Devlin. Yeah, Roger, okay. Devlin patted him on his lapel. You don't need to worry about us. We got a limo. It's taking us... Oh, wait, shh. It's a secret where it's taking us tonight. He winked at Roger and continued in a very loud whisper. But I can tell you, we're flying out to the Cayman Islands tomorrow afternoon. Ever been scuba diving, Roger? Yeah, I know, Dev. I've never been diving, but I hear it's beautiful. I'll bet it'll be great. You have a good time, man, on your wedding night and honeymoon. Just make sure you wear plenty of sunscreen. I'm sure it's hard to have mind-blowing sex when you're sunburned to hell, Red. Roger looked closely at his friend. But hey, listen, I'm really happy for you. Seriously, she's a good woman. Devlin's face grew serious. Yeah, Roger, she is. A damn good woman. I am a lucky man. Jenny was suddenly standing beside her father, Anna Grace at her side. She kissed him on the cheek. Hey, Roger, she said with a smile. Hey there, Jen. Anna Grace. Never thought you'd see this day, did you, Jenny? Jenny looked from Roger to her father and patted him on the back. The happy grin was back on his face. Actually, Roger, when I was a little girl, I dreamed of this day almost as much as I dreamed of my own wedding. Aw, that's sweet, Jen, Roger said. He gave her a sloppy kiss on the cheek. And what do you think about your father here becoming a new daddy and granddaddy right around the same time? Well, I always wanted a little brother or sister, Jenny said with a wide smile. Anna Grace cleared her throat. So did I, she chimed in. Jenny and Joe's daughter, Tess Marie Halliday, named after her maternal grandmother, was born seven months later, two days before her big brothers turned two. She weighed in at seven pounds, three ounces, and sported a mass of dark curls. Reese Kingfisher O'Quinn was born a month after his niece. He, too, weighed seven pounds, three ounces, and had dark, although straight, hair. Both of his big sisters were there, helping his mother through her labor and delivery. His father, the chief of police, radioed Roger Dubose at the moment of his birth, and all the squad cars in town lit up their lights and sirens in his honor. That concludes this week's chapter of Not On My Watch, and that was the final chapter in the novel. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, once again, you can visit my website, jcbiden.com, to order the book. Next week, we will begin with the fourth book in the series, which is entitled Night Watch. I hope you return. 
to listen to more Devlin O'Quinn adventures. Thanks again, and until next week, I hope your wait is a happy one.